All right. I want you to take your Bibles. I want you to turn me to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six. Tonight we're going to talk about dress for success, which to me it would be to dress warm at this age. We're talking about battle armor tonight. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of spiritual warfare or spiritual battle or whatever you want to call it. We better start taking this stuff seriously. Amen. <laughs> we better get with it. And so we're going to look tonight, going to review for some of you, be reviewed for many of you. But uh, we're to look in the scripture tonight, what the Bible has to say about the spiritual battle that goes on around us. It goes on between your ears primarily. It can take place in your emotions. It can happen in your heart. It happens around you in the culture you live in. But Dennis, I want you to do something. I don't want you to just read God's word with me. I want you to see what it says. I want you to believe what it says. And I want you to believe what he promises you. It's not enough to know it. I want you to believe what he promises you. And uh, this is so simple. Uh, let me tell you something. Nobody taught me this when I was young. If when I was a new believer, just a young believer, if somebody had taught me this, my life would have been different because my people perish for lack of knowledge. And if somebody would just have shown me this, I wouldn't have suffered and other people wouldn't have suffered around me. But they weren't teaching this when I was young. A lot of folks don't teach it now. I do not understand it. I miss, we got a, a, a believers, we got running up spiritual streakers. Does anybody old enough remember streaking? Streaking's when you ran around without your clothes on. I mean, they do it now, but it's just normal life for them now. <laughs> Years ago at a baseball game or football game, people would just take their britches off and go streaking across fields. It's called streaking. Ray, what's his name, wrote a song. They called me the streak, fastest thing on two feet. Somebody remember that? What's when you run around without your clothes on? Well, we got spiritual streakers who are going out of the house in the morning without their armor on. And that's worse than physical streaking. And all you can get physical streaking, you get arrested. Spiritual streaking, you get killed. So we're going to look in Ephesians 6. I want you to read this passage with me from God's Word. It's a wonderful, wonderful passage. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on, and you have to put it on, the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the word would be schemes or assaults of the devil. We do not battle or wrestle against flesh and blood, which is people, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual beings, hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Don't let heavenly places mess you up there. That, that's not like where our loved ones have gone to, where Jesus rules from. Heavenly places simply means the spirit realm around you. This word heavenly places simply means the spirit realm around all of us. And that's where the battle takes place in there. All right. Verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, the breastplate of righteousness. Cover your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the boots of peace. Above everything else, take the shield of faith and you will quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one or evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying with all prayer, supplication in the spirit. All right. Let me tell you what we draw out of this passage right here from scripture. Several, several things our father's teaching me and you right here. And I want you to get this. Number one, you need to live with a constant awareness that there's an active spirit world around us. We keep, in our culture, our modern uh, American culture, we reject that there's a spirit world around us dictating things. What does it say right there? You need to know there's a very active spiritual world around you all the time. And it's, it's there. And, uh, and it does affect us. Now, a lot of uh, uh, modern thinkers today or well-educated people would scoff at this notion. You're scoffing at God. You're scoffing at the Bible. It, I'm telling you, this is all through Scripture. And uh, but let me tell you something, but don't need to make you nervous either. I got some friends who went off the deep end and they became so demon conscious and so nervous that had demons in their blenders and stuff like that. And there's nothing to be nervous about. He just said, pay attention. And we need to see what the Bible says about this. Listen, what does the Bible say? It was go with what the Bible says about everything. Number two, there is a real invisible enemy that wants to hurt you and hurt your family. Now, this is all through Scripture. And the Bible teaches here in Ephesians 6 that you have an enemy. And obviously, by the way he spoke, you've got to do something. You're going to be in trouble. 
Uh, the scripture talks in John chapter 10, verse 10, that there's a thief who comes to do what? Steal and kill and destroy. Now, I want you to look at a verse with me that really shows us something about what's going on around us today, all the way over in the book of Revelation, chapter 12. And I'm, I'm just stunned that in, in this generation, we reject the idea that there is an active, dark power working in our land. I mean, that, who's behind this stuff, dear ones? Who's behind the junk that goes on in our land? Who's behind the battle we face between our ears? All right, I want you to look with me in Revelation chapter 12, and this is where you get a revelation where our Father's showing us what's going on in the spirit realm. And the whole thing is a great... Revelation 12 is a wild picture of what goes on in the spirit realm around us. But we're going to take one verse, the last verse. Verse 17, the dragon. Take a wild guess. When the Bible calls somebody a dragon, guess who that might be? Well, it's sure not the sweet Lord Jesus. And the dragon was enraged with the woman and went to make war with the rest of her offspring. So that tells me that there's somebody called a dragon and they're making war with somebody. Watch this. Who keep the commandment of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. There's a dragon. He's enraged and he's doing war with people who name the name of Jesus and want to follow God. What does that tell you right there? If you follow Jesus, you're in the crosshairs. But we're going to find out not how to get him in the crosshairs. Turn back with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Got a real enemy who wants to hurt you, all right? <clears throat> the Bible teaches thoroughly, and of course, you don't have to be a prophet to figure this out. His activity is very evident in our land today. You, you look in the land at what's going Even people who don't believe in God are starting to say, there, there's something behind this stuff going on today. Well, of course there is. And uh, many of the end time prophecies are being fulfilled. And the Bible teaches that he will be the most active in the earth right before the second coming of Jesus. Of course, let me just give you one. Uh, I saw today where uh, Americans who say they are Christians and identify with Christ is down to 60% now. 25, when I started preaching, 95% of Americans claim to be Christian. Today it's 60% in that short of a period. Well, and, if the, and my, and my humble, humble uh, examination is if 60% of Americans are Christians, they've all moved to the West Coast. They're not in North Carolina anymore. But we're, what we're seeing, one of the prophecies, and this is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 said this, right before the second coming of Jesus, there would be a falling away and a turning away from God. But the Bible said he cannot come back unless the falling away, the word is apostasy, comes first. Well, we're certainly seeing that in our generation. We're seeing where, uh, you know, people just turned away from God. I told a lady, yes, she's a teacher. I was talking to teacher Monday. I said, when I was in the public high school in Charlotte, North Carolina, every day started, the, my, the intercom came on and it said, good morning, students. This is Mr. Brooks. He's a principal. It's time for our daily Bible reading and morning prayer. And he read the Bible in the public high school and then he prayed over the school and over the teachers for that day. Imagine the outcry if a principal did that today. And as a nation, we've turned, well, this is exactly what the Bible said. Let me ask you a question. Who's behind this turning away from the only source of real life? It's powers of darkness working in the earth. And uh, so very active in our land today. All right, number four. All right, listen to, out of Ephesians 6, I want to tell you something. Now listen to me. Your heavenly father has given you everything you need to walk victoriously through this life. Amen. This teaching and this theology that says, well, we're supposed to get beat all to pieces and struggle through. And then one day Jesus will come back and get us. That is not what this book teaches. He gave you that armor and it is battle tested. And Jesus buried the enemy with it while he was on the earth. And then he said, now here, you use it. He's given you everything you need to protect yourself and protect your family. And to walk through this earth and, and just, just have a great, enjoyable life. Uh, matter of fact, the, you can look through the passage we just read and he said, put it on and you will stand. You will stand against this stuff. Now I want to show you one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And I want you to memorize this verse and I want you to do more than memorize it. I want you to speak it and live it. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians, a few pages to the left. You'll find 2 Corinthians back through Galatians. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I want you to look at me and, and uh, we're going to look at one verse here. And I want you to, I want this verse, this verse is the mindset of believers today, what it should be. This ought to be your mindset. I just, I'm hearing fear. I'm hearing worry from believers today. I'm hearing, I, I wonder if God's going to help us through this. My God, have mercy. This is your mindset for this day. It's 2 Corinthians 2, 14. And it says this. I want you to listen to the attitude in this verse. 
Thanks be to God who always, guess what the word always means? Who always leads us to triumph in Christ Jesus and in through us manifests or diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge everywhere. Does that sound like somebody's getting beat to death and barely getting by? Does that sound like just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away to you? Let me tell you, y'all, here's your attitude every day. Thanks be unto God who's going to cause me to triumph in everything I do today. And God's going to reveal himself in the earth through me. He's going to manifest himself in the earth through me. And by the way, this is the attitude of a champion. This is the attitude of somebody that has learned to put on the armor of God. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something. We're not talking about theological abstracts. This stuff works. When I found this in the Bible and found some people that knew this stuff and began to teach it to me, well, I don't just say amen. I'm going to find out if it works. And I'm going to tell you, I have tested this armor. I'm going to tell you what, it works. And we're going to look at it tonight. I want you to, uh, I want you to put it on and I want you to practice it yourself. And it's just so much fun when you are the winner. I think I've told you this and I've, I hope this is not a bad illustration, but it'll defend you. I was raised in a rough neighborhood in Charlotte, and I was little to my age. You know what that means. And I was one of the youngest in the community, and I was one of the punching bags in the community. It was just a rough neighborhood. Just, and I got picked on a lot, got beat up on a lot, and because I was younger and I was smaller, I didn't grow till later, and then I didn't quit growing once it started. And then uh, I got sent off to reform school. Twelve years old, I went to reform school in Huntersville. And I don't know why, but somebody got the bright idea that if you got a bunch of juvenile delinquents teaching martial arts, that's just stupid. I mean, just, they're in trouble enough as it is. So anyway, I started learning martial arts and I got real good at it, began to win tournaments at it. And then eventually I got out of reform school and they sent me back to the neighborhood. And I took a growth spurt while I was there too. And now I'm big and I'm mad and I'm trained. And I ruled the neighborhood after that. I just went, went out and just cleaned it up, just... And let me make it, now, I spent some time where I was the punching bag of the neighborhood and then I was the champion of the neighborhood. Let me make an announcement. Being on top is a whole lot more fun than being on the bottom. Amen. Walking in victory and, being, and doing the bullying is a whole lot more fun than being beat to death. All right, now that's a, that's a dumb illustration. But the point is, when I was a believer, I was never taught this stuff. And I got my brains beat out by dark powers that Jesus broke at the cross. And then somebody began to teach me this stuff and I began to dig and find it. And I said, well, now it's my time to do some crunching. I love to make demons suffer. I do. I, I want them every night to go back to their headquarters, bloodied and bandaged and say to the boss, do not send me up there tomorrow. Not after him. Send me to the Methodist preacher. I've had all I can take him. <laughs> we want to turn the tide, dear ones. Is that we, the victor mentality is 2 Corinthians 2.14. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph and it's through Christ and then manifest his presence. Now I want to point something out from Ephesians 6. You got to do your part. Let's look in Ephesians 6 again. I want you to see something. Ephesians chapter 6. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6. I want you to find these words. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. Verse 13. Take up the whole armor of God. Verse 14, stand therefore. Verse 15, having covered your feet. Verse 16, above all, take the shield of faith. Verse 17, take. Can you see where you got to be active in this? You, gotta, you can't just pray a prayer. You got to do something. This, you have to be very active in this. Uh, a lady teacher who, who wrote probably the best book ever on spiritual warfare called Battlefield of the Mind. Her name is Joyce Meyer. And Joyce said this, if you don't work at this full time, you'll get whooped. And, and this is a battle, but you got to put it on. Uh, I want you to look. Uh, we won't take time, but what is the Bible saying right here? You got to do this daily. Now, y'all know what the picture is, don't you? It's a Roman soldier. And before he goes out to battle, he has to get dressed daily. And he mentions six things that he has to put on. And there's six things you and I need. To, of course, it's not physical. We don't see them. It's a mindset, it's an attitude, and it's truth that will they hold up. You know, every day when the soldier gets up, he's got to strap on his, and these are special shoes he wore that had knobs that you could stand. You wouldn't slip in, in battle. Had to put on his, uh, you know, his belt, which held his stuff up, and his breastplate, had to put all this on. You know, when a policeman goes out for the day, a policeman can't get up and go out in his uh, swim trunks and a t-shirt and flip-flops and do police work. He's got to put his gun on. He's got to put his handcuffs on. He's got to put his uh, 
mag- his extra bullets over in the magazine. He's got to put his taser on. He's got to put the symbol of authority on his chest, that badge. You can't go out and do police work without your stuff. You're going to get whooped. And this is what he's saying. Do this every day. You got to do this every day. I want you to put this on every day and do your part to stand up. I want you to look at the armor, six pieces. And he lists these six pieces. <clears throat> Don't get all caught up in Roman armor. The armor is God. Put on all the armor of God, but it's, it's something you have to do very actively and it's something he gives you. And we're going to keep, this is so simple. We're going to keep it simple. But he mentioned six things that you have to put on. The first thing he says, he says you have to put on your belt uh, or the, it's called the belt of truth. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of the old, not the Roman jousting soldiers, but the foot soldiers. And they had these tunics. You know, men, men wore uh, these clothes that were geared for natural air conditioning back in. They didn't wear britches like we do. They wore robes back then. Well, you can't go out in battle with some robe flailing along. You'll trip and get in trouble. They had these huge belts and they, they put these belts on and then they pulled their, their garments up all around them and tucked it in that belt. If you've ever seen a soldier, he's all tucked up and got it in that belt right there. Don't get too hung up on the belt or anything. It simply says that you and I, we, we just have to traffic in truth. Now, Dennis, let me tell you what truth is. John 17, 17, protect them. Make their lives wonderful. Make their lives beautiful through your truth. Your word is truth. Dennis, it's, it's not about it's not about fogs coming into the room, stuff like that. The whole battle is over truth. All of spiritual war is over truth. And truth comes from one place and it comes from the mouth of God. And it's in the word of God. And you and I, if you, if you don't know this word and you don't get this word in your head, you can have a hard time hanging on when stuff's going on. Now, let me tell you what we got to do with this. this that's why getting in the word is so important. Uh, in this word, you have to know what God's word says about things. Because let me tell you something, you're hearing lies in your head. You're hearing lies in the media. You're hearing lies out of your emotions. Emotions lie. Our thoughts lie. People lie. Guess who's behind all the lying? John 8, 44, he said Satan is the father of every lie. And the Bible said, we could have read in Revelation 12, that he has opened his mouth and flooded the land for the people to be carried away with lies. And I hear people talk and I'm listening to them speak out of their thinking. And I hear, that's a lie. How'd that get in there? The Bible, when you get a lie in your mind and you believe it and it starts working in your life, the Bible calls that a stronghold. It's where something gets hold of you in a very strong way. Well, dear ones, you overcome lies with what? Truth. And you need to know the truth about several things. Number one, you need to know the truth about who God is and, and what he's like. Now listen to this carefully. You had better know the truth about who you are. And that is very important. That's why we have those little cards. I don't, I don't think I have one with me tonight. We have those little cards. Let me, I can tell you how you can have a test to see if you've got demonic strongholds in your thinking. I don't have one with me. Take that little card. Anybody got one? See there? Well, you're dressed. Dressed for success. Thank you. All right, but on these little cards, on one side it says, He is. All right, listen to me. Let me tell you, you know you've, been, you've believed a lie. If what you think is anything contrary to what that card says, a lie has gotten inside of you. And that's what that word is for. Turn it over where it says, I am, I am predestined. I am chosen. I am forgiven. I am able. I am deeply loved. I am a conqueror. If, if that's not the way you think inside of you, you got strongholds inside of you. And the tr- guess what truth does to people? sets them free. And the great battle is for your thinking. I'm going to tell you, the battle is over your thought life. And the battle is for your thinking. If you think of yourself contrary to what God's word says about you, you've been deceived. Listen to me. I watched a guy one night. You ever heard of hypnotism? Don't ever go near it. I watched a guy hypnotize a lady one night and tell her she was a dog. And she acted like a dog. Now, let me ask you a question. Was she a dog? No, she's a woman. Are you with me? Why was she acting like one then? Because in her head, she thought she was. You're not a loser. If you're born again, if you're a child of God, you're not a loser. You're a champion. So why would God's people act like losers? Somebody lied to them. This simple spiritual warfare is that simple. You don't need to stand on a stool and sprinkle pixie dust on anybody. It's, it's that simple. You, you just take up the truth of God about who you are. Listen to me. About who other people are. 
You got to believe what God says about other people. You got to believe what God says about the reason to be alive. You got to believe what God said, what this book says about how to handle life. The way he screws your life up is to get you thinking wrong. And spiritual warfare is to get the truth of God and start thinking right. And that's all it is. That's all it means is to take up the truth of God and traffic in truth and live in that truth. That, listen, because there's a constant battle in the head. That's why it's so important. That's why Jesus said, you got to abide in this word. You got to abide in this truth and keep it inside of you. Number two, he said, I want you to to take up the belt of truth. The second thing he mentions is what? He wants you to put on a breastplate. Now tell me the name of that breastplate. Righteousness. Righteousness. Now righteousness is a difficult word that people struggle with. It's not that difficult. Let me ask you a question. Let me give you a test here to see if the enemy has worked on you or Jesus has gotten through. Would you call yourself a righteous person? Somebody said, amen. Yeah. You see, you arrogant thing. No, you faithful thing. Did you hear what they were singing up here tonight? Hear what we were singing tonight? I'm blameless. They said, Brother Brown, you don't know me. Look right here. You don't know you. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He made Jesus who knew no sin to become sin for me so that I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So I don't want to be cocky. No, this is not called being cocky. This is called standing. It's called taking up the armor of God and standing. Listen, you're standing before God is under attack all the time. Condemnation and guilt and shame. And the truth is, I am free. Now, if you're cocky about it, something's wrong because you didn't do it. It's a gift. The Bible talks about receiving the gift of righteousness. But you get, I can stand right in front of the living God clean. Not because of what I did, but because of what my Savior did for me. Uh, by the way, what's your breastplate protect? Listen to what 1 John says. If our heart condemns us, and it does. I see people all the time just beat up, condemned because of things in their past, crap in their head. If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts. God's truth is bigger than what you think about you. God's truth about the righteousness he gave you is bigger than what we think about ourselves. And we need to be a people who say, listen, my standing was secured by Jesus. That is the right, you need to, this is how you need to think about yourself. I am forgiven. I am clean. I've been washed in the blood of the lamb. There is nothing in my past anymore. And, and you need to go a little bit further sometimes. You need to say, stick it in your ear. Y'all, I, I'm sorry. Y'all can't do that, can you? I didn't. Let me make an announcement. Mr. Rogers is going to get whooped. Now, listen, let me tell you what we need to be. Humble before our God. Gracious with people. Vigilant before our enemy. We got that thing all turned around. We're cocky before people and humble before our enemy. Wrong one, dude. No, you're being ugly to people. Be ugly to him. He's the enemy. And we need to, don't get into this name call. Don't get into this mumbo jumbo stuff. You just need to say, you need to be what Jesus said, silence. And you need to hold to the truth of God and the righteousness of God just covers your heart and keeps you clean. Number three, he wants you to put on boots called what? Peace. Don't think about the boots, just the peace. Everything in God's community, everything in God's kingdom is in peace. All the fruit that's in righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You have to be a person committed to peace. I'm not going to be upset. I'm not going to be worried. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be nervous. I'm not going to jump on anybody. I'm not going to scream. I'm not going to holler. I'm going to enjoy peace. To live in peace is to win the battle. Listen to me carefully. Your enemy is always trying to get you out of peace. He's always trying to get you upset with what somebody does. He's always trying to get you nervous about the future. His eyes on the sparrow. It's, I, I, a lot of times if he talks about my future, I say, no, 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 let's talk about your future. He usually cures it real quick. He's always trying to get you aggravated at people. Don't you understand? Listen, you're supposed, it's them dumb people. No, we wrestle not with flesh and blood. We wrestle. Listen, this is a... You say, I'm in a bookstore sometime back and the friend of mine, he, I'd met him. He was a bro. We didn't go to the same church, but he was a Christian. I knew him. He got me in the back and he got over like he, like he was a, a CIA agent going to tell me something. And he said, brother, he said, uh, he said, we got into some spiritual warfare last night. I guess he thought he treated a demon. I'm not sure what he did, but I thought, God almighty, I've been it all day long. What do you mean you got in last night? I've been it all day, every day. 
we, listen, we, we wrestle all day, every day. How many of you have had a temptation today? You know what temptation is, don't you? How many of you have had a temptation to get out of peace today? Get upset? Be worried about something? Be nervous? Be anxious? Be disgusted? How many of you, like Elvis, felt your temperature rising sometime today? You listen to me. That is the enemy of your soul trying to get you out of peace. Did you ever see Jesus out of peace? Even when the storm was raging, what was he doing? He's asleep. Listen to me. If your enemy can't get you out of peace, he loses every time. Actually, peace is the victory. And he told you to put on the boot. Listen, why does it say boots of peace? We stand in peace. Peace is what we stand in. I'm addicted to it. I'm going to enjoy it. If you're upset, I'm going to have to go to the bathroom. And I'm not coming back. If I can't help you, you ain't going to hurt me. Listen, we need to live in... I see Christians today that are screaming and hollering and they're going to take on... The, what is wrong with you? Yeah. The enemy owns you when you're like that. Resist him, the Bible said. Live in peace and enjoy peace. There's a lot of good things come out of peace. And we need to be committed to it. John 14, 27, Jesus said, My peace I give unto you, not as the world do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't ever let it be afraid. We need to live there. Matter of fact, the Bible said this in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God run your life. Let it rule your life at heart level. Let me tell you what, right down here, when things are right, there's a quiet peace in here. That's called the peace of God in your heart. There's a quiet peace. I'm at rest down here. And I, that's what's going to run my life. He don't have to tell me anything. If something bothers this peace, I, something's wrong. The peace is going to rule in my life. And we've got to reach a place where we let the peace of God just rule in our lives and live in peace. Everything he does is sown in there. Now, James chapter three says this. If you're upset and bitter and mad, do not lie against God's truth. This didn't come from heaven. This is worldly, carnal, demonic. But the wisdom that's from above when you're following Jesus is pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruit, without hypocrisy and without partiality. You don't prefer Democrats to Republicans or blacks to white or Baptists to Methodist or, or Southern folks to Northern folks. Jesus is Lord of everything. And we need to let this word rule. And listen, you could live in peace. You don't want to get to heaven and say, I barely made it through and your hair's frazzled out here and you look like you, you know, looks like last year's bird's nest and you come in there frazzled and him just smiles so you could enjoy the ride, honey. You were hanging on to the wing. You could have been in first class drinking cheap wine and having a big time. There was peace. Make sure you live in peace. Not only that, <clears throat> I want you to listen. One of the, found, the foundational teaching of Jesus is called what? Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes. I want you to listen to what he said. Blessed are the who? Peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Was, we don't just need to live in peace. We need to make peace. But let me make an announcement. I can't make peace, can't help you find peace if I don't have peace. You can't give what you don't have. Jesus said, freely you've received, freely give. I love to just walk up to people and just say as little as I can, put my hand on the shoulder and pray and, and bring them to peace. Just, we need to, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. My people are in the earth to make peace. Peace between men and God and peace between men and men. And peace between me and mama. We got to have, let there be peace on earth is what the Bible said. And I'm, peace, peace is just the victory. I, I, my humble opinion is, after looking at spiritual warfare, nothing hacks the devil off worse than when you stay in peace and he can't upset you. I mean, when he's throwing everything you got and you just want to sort of go, that's the best you got. And you just not bother the least bit. Martin Luther, the great reformer, who led us out of the dark ages, uh, he was hiding in a castle because the Pope's army was trying to kill him. And he said, I woke up one night and this hellish presence was in the room. I've had this happen to me when I'm out of the country. It's never happened when I'm in the U.S. But when I'm out of the country in these third world crazy places, I've been awakened in the night and the craziest demons in the room, I mean, just, I make the hair stand up on the back of your neck. Of course, I, I sort of, I dig that stuff, you know, my weird personality, because this is, a, I'm going to find out if this book's true or not. That you don't need to holler, you don't need to scream, you don't need to jump on the bed and do a kawa dance or nothing like that. Jesus. Amen. Jesus. 
Jesus. And pretty soon you just sense that room emptying out. Jesus. I got tickled. I believe it was Norval Hayes. I don't remember. He said he was in some hut in New Guinea somewhere and said, uh, he was in there and said the demonic came in the room and said they drug his cot all the way across the floor. He said, I got up and he said, I commanded him leave in the name of Jesus. He said, wait a minute, come back in here and put that cot where you got it. <laughs> you know what's that? You don't have to be well-trained to do that. You just have to believe God. We need to start believing what this book says. Believe what he says. Anyway, the Martin Luther's in that castle and he's hiding. I mean, the world's hinging on what he's doing right now. And he said, woke up one night and said, the foulest presence he'd ever known was in the bed. He said, I looked down and Satan himself, not a demon, Satan himself was in the room. You think, I was a big one right there. You you want to know what, you know what believing God's word, you know what believing the truth will do for you? Martin Luther said, I looked at him and said, I got a busy day tomorrow and I ain't got time for this. Rolled back over and went to sleep. You know what that's called? Peace. That's a man who lives in peace. (laughs) I love living in peace. Why is my nation so tore up right now? Jesus is the prince of peace. Guess who is the prince of tear everybody up and get everybody all jacked up? We live in peace. Put the boots of peace on you. If I got hung up on peace there for a minute, didn't mean to. All right, then number four, he said, now you gotta have a shield. Every soldier gotta have a shield when he goes out. What's the name of my shield? Faith. Take up the shield of faith. All right, tell me what you do with the shield of faith. What does it say? You stop or quench or defend yourself from all the what? fiery darts of the evil one. Simply put, thoughts. They're thoughts. He's not shooting arrows at you. (laughs) They're thoughts. The enemy of your soul can put thoughts into your mind. Does the Bible teach that? Listen, all through scripture, for instance, um, Acts chapter 5, when a man did something, a a godly spirit-filled man did something so stupid. I mean, it was awful. And Simon said, Ananias, why did you let Satan put it in your mind to lie to the Holy Spirit. Who put that, who put that idea in there? Why'd you let Satan put, listen, you'd be surprised. He can bring thoughts into your mind. You would quit beating on yourself so much if you began to realize these thoughts that are coming in here are not me and they're not from me. Anybody ever watch MASH or shows like that years ago? You ever remember when they'd holler, incoming and they hollered incoming and that meant that bombs was coming in and everybody would hit the floor incoming. Well, I got to where if I'm by myself, I don't like to do it in front of anybody. If I'm by myself, all of a sudden, I'll just be enjoying, this happened to me about an hour ago, just be enjoying my life, having the greatest time thinking about what a friend we have in Jesus. And the craziest thoughts come flying into my head. And I don't go, oh my gosh, I'm not a Christian. How could a Christian think like that? God have mercy. I just holler out, incoming. That's all it is. Dear one, he has the ability to bring thoughts into your mind. Now, what does the Bible say to do with these thoughts? Take up the shield of faith. Now, don't don't think shield, just think faith. Take the shield of faith, quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. Uh, This is where, let me mention, you have thoughts, you get ideas, you get suggestions, and then here's the big one, are you ready? Feelings. He can touch your feelings. And they come from two sources. They can be internal. They can come from within you in your own, like thoughts are coming in your own mind or out external. People say things to you. Your eye, your eye sees things and your eye stimulates things, ideas, concepts. But these thoughts, they get in there and uh, it's, it's just, you got to start believing God's word. What does the Bible say? Our Lord Jesus came down here to this earth and he took that book right there. He took the sword of the spirit and he said, watch how I do this, boys. And he used it on the enemy. And then he said, here, this will work. This, I'll just quote it to you. We'll look at sometime. Luke chapter four. The Bible said Satan assaulted Jesus for 40 days. And then he assaulted him three more times. And he came to him and Satan put it in his mind and said, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Now, what did Jesus do? Jesus didn't say, I rebuke you. Jesus said, what? It is written. Man didn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know what he did? Jesus just looked back to the Bible and said, here's what the Bible says about what's in my head right now. That's all it is, dear one. It's that simple. He took him and he put him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said, "Uh, throw yourself down from here. And Jesus said, it is written. 
don't tempt the Lord your God. Anytime thoughts came into his mind, he just took the word of God and said, that doesn't line up with truth. And he just quoted the word. That's it. There was our spiritual warfare right there. It's just to know the truth. And that is called the shield of faith that quenches. I'm going to go and do the third one so we can get to the good part. And then the Bible said Satan just ripped off the mask and said, I own everything on this planet. Well, he didn't own it, but he was entitled to eat hold of it at the time. He said, I got the entertainment industry. I got the business empire. I own all religions that, that don't follow you. And he said this, bow down in front of me and I'll give it all to you. That, that was a temptation to shortcut the cross. And Jesus said, get behind me for it is written, I worship anybody except the living God. How, how did Jesus handle that battle? How did he do it? He, he didn't do cartwheels. He just took the word of God and said what it said in place of what was being put in front of him. That's all it is, dear ones. Jesus used that sword. And then one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and Satan departed from him. I think his head was so sore from getting clobbered with that sword. He decided, I better get out of here. This guy knows how to use this thing. And then Jesus said, here, this thing works. Use it. And you need to do the same thing. It's just, it's just that simple. I've heard people talk about spiritual warfare and they got so complicated by the time they was done, I had a headache. It's not complicated. Take the truth of God's word, dispel the lies in your head and in your land and just say, and, and if you want to say what Jesus said, say, get out of here. Get behind me. Get behind me, ugly one. Uh, now, a lot of people say, I don't, I don't look stupid talking to the devil. Like Jesus? We got to get over this, what we look like in front of other people. Matter of fact, that's the first temptation that ever came in this earth. Impress people with what you look like. That's in Genesis chapter three. I told you I was at school one day and I'm walking down the hall and I had about all, some days the battle's worse than others. Can I get a witness? Now, this has been a particularly rough day. I don't know why it don't make sense to me. I've done nothing wrong. And the battle's particularly rough. And I'd had about all, of, all I could stand. And I just said, get out of my face and go back to hell. Leave me alone. About like that. And I turned the corner and the cleaning lady standing there looking at me. And she said, you talking to me? I said, no, no, I need you stay. I need you. I'm talking to somebody. Just don't worry about it. There was, we, you know what the alternative is? Eat his garbage and watch what it does to you. Take up the shield of faith and turn that thing loose. All right, I, I got to hustle there. Uh, I do want to say, we, we probably better work on this some more. 2 Corinthians 10, 14 says, the weapons of our warfare, 10, 4, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. The weapons of our warfare are not natural, but they're mighty through God. That's it right there. They're mighty through God to pull down strongholds, cast down imaginations, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring every thought, tells you where it's at, captive to the obedience of Christ. You know, that put it simple. Take the word of God and throw that junk out of your head. That's what it means, cast down imaginations. Jack Hayford's America's pastor. And he'd been off somewhere, and Jack is of a, uh, not Church of God, Foursquare denomination, and he'd been in this great convocation thing. And he came and told his wife, he said, I was with some of the great Christian thinkers of the nation. He said, Anna, he said, I, I, I think they don't think I'm quite the scholar that they are, and I think they look down their nose at me a little bit because I'm Foursquare. I don't think they think that I'm at their level, really. And boy, I, when I heard that, I said, what? Doesn't that sound just like something the enemy would get into your head with? And he said, I'm thinking that. And he said, all of a sudden, Anna said to me, he said, Jack, that's an imagination. That's from hell. It's an imagination, Jack. Cast it down. And he said, when she said it in my spirit, I knew what she was saying was true. They loved me and respected me. It's just the enemy put that junk in my head. I, I don't think they like me. Who told you that? You'd be surprised the junk that gets in our head like this. Cast down imagination means throw it down. Let me make an announcement. If you pick something up one day and it turns out to be a rattlesnake, I would drop it if I were you. <laughs> if a devil's lie gets in your head, I would throw it down if I were you. It's just this simple. It, it's, it's just that simple. All right, at number five, he talks about putting your hat on. Got to have your helmet. Now, it talks about the helmet of salvation. We think of being saved. That's not the word at all. What we think of being saved. Salvation here means deliverance or protection. Tell me what a helmet does right here. What does a helmet do? Protects your head. Protects your head. Which tells you what? Guess where the battle is? Between years, you put on the helmet of salvation. Matter of fact, I mentioned earlier the battlefield of the mind. I'm going to make this so simple. 
you, if you're going to walk in victory, you've got to have a disciplined mind. You've got to discipline your, your mind can't just ramble wherever it wants to go and you think about whatever. You just listen to what anybody says and you think about it. You've got to tell your mind, you're going to think like I tell you to think. There was a disciplined mind is the secret to life. And uh, I'm going to give you one quick verse to show you what it means. Turn me to Philippians chapter 8. Well, if you find Philippians 8, let me know. Try Philippians 4. All right, Philippians 4 is that great passage that talks about how to... I, every, I do this every day before I get out of bed. I tell my mind, this is what we're going to think about today. I've learned if you have an undisciplined mind, you're going to get killed. You've got to discipline your mind. And you've got to tell it how to think. And the Bible talks in 1 Corinthians about if you, those, great, those who win great battles are people who can discipline themselves. And in Philippians chapter 4, uh, we won't look at the whole thing. Perhaps we will through the study. But in one verse, it tells you, tell your mind, stay right here. Keep your mind within these eight parameters. And it says this, Philippians 4.8. These are not the best descriptions. I might change them a little bit. Philippians 4.8 says this. Finally, brethren, if it's true, noble, just, pure, beautiful, encouraging, virtuous, praiseworthy, feed your mind, set your mind, or meditate on these things. And those are the parameters that I'm going to think within. It's got to be true. It's got to be inspiring. It's got to be honorable. It's got to be pure. It's got to be beautiful. It's got to be encouraging. It's got to be excellent. And it's got to be praiseworthy. I listen to me carefully. Why would I want to think anywhere outside of that? Why would I leave the high, wonderful thinking ground of the encouraging, the beautiful, the excellent, and get down in the trash and waller? The discouraging, the lies. Because you have got to tell your mind, think like I tell you to think. And uh, if, Grandma used to say, if you lay down with the dogs, you're going to get up with fleas. If you let your mind go wherever you want to, you're going to be in trouble. And there was to put on the helmet of salvation simply means get your thinking right. As my daddy used to say, get your, boy, get your mind right, boy. <laughs> get your thinking right is what we've got to do. We've got to start disciplining our thoughts. Uh, listen to me carefully. It's not that hard. It, it's not that hard. And you, your enemy is always tempting you to drag your thinking over here. What they said what they're doing. You take your thinking and you tell it where to be. And you, you simply cannot... I heard a fellow, I think it was Bill Johnson said this, so many people are in mental institutions today because they couldn't find anything beautiful to think about. Amen. These minds are not designed to think on garbage. These minds are designed to think on the beautiful, the pure, the encouraging. You said, heck, there ain't nothing out there like that anymore. Somebody ain't got between your ears. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Amen. It's out there. Uh, we just got to get our thinking right. Let me do one more because we got to get the choir up there. <clears throat> and the last thing he said is this. Now, all, let me point something out. Those five things are defensive weapons. They're to protect you. A sword is not for defense. Somebody tell me what your sword's for. I have to put a licking on somebody. I have to start slicing and dicing. And the Bible said that you, once you've got all the defensive stuff that protects you, which is faith, and truth and peace and righteousness. You got that on. It's time for you to take the sword and you to do some damage. It's time for you to take the sword and you do some damage. All right. And that's the sword of the spirit is the word of God praying. It's the word of God praying. And dear ones, I never come out of bed in the morning unless I am flailing. And you know, some you've seen the, y'all ever seen a sword fight where two people are doing like this and they're carefully trying to poke each other. No, sir, I come out flinging that thing every which direction. I don't care who I cut, but I'm going to cut somebody in the spirit realm. I don't know where they're at, but I'm going to get them all. I mean, we're just like you're going to wade through the crowd with that long-bladed sword. And I come out of that bed in the morning saying, Father, I want to praise you and thank you that this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I praise you that your grace is on my family. Thank you that no evil shall befall me, nor shall any plague come near my dwelling. And your angels are around me. You know what that's called? That's praying the word of God. And you have no idea what that's doing out there when you're doing that. You get out of the bed thinking, crap, crap. <laughs> you thump before the sun comes up. Take the word. Listen, when you pray, don't say, Lord, it's so bad. My, my husband's so stupid. You knew that before you married him. <laughs> pray the word of God. Let me tell you something. You know how nervous, there's one thing our enemy does not want, keep him from praying. Because he knows when you pray, 
angels take over and do battle. You may just prove to you something. You start praying for your family, the Word of God, and you watch while you're praying. You see if something doesn't come against this mind right here while you're praying. Everything in the world come to distract you. And I don't go, oh, no. I go, nice try, sucker. But you're not going to stop me from praying. I'll get a thought. You don't feel anything. I don't have to feel anything. I don't need a feeling. I got a promise. And dear ones, the, the, the sword of the Spirit is prayer. It's for your family. It's for you. It's for your church. It's for your land. And if, if you could just, I just wish he'd like them vision things that soldiers wear. So things. I wish he'd put some vision things on us and let us see in the spirit realm what happens when that's going on. I mean, I can be wearing your head out and you can start praying praise and thanksgiving to God and worship him. And you'll watch them start chewing on each other. That is scriptural, by the way. They'll battle each other. And a lot of times I'll begin to worship God and I'll sense them leaving. I'll just grab them by the tail and hold them. I said, no, no, you're going to stay right here and listen to this. I want you to enjoy this. It's just that simple. And you worship, of course, worship and petition. Now listen to me. This is a daily deal. No soldier goes out without putting on his armor every day. And uh, let me make an announcement. You can get whooped for a second. You can get knocked down and still win the battle. If he gets in your head and you screw up, repent and get up and get back on with it and start over. And uh, I, it's just so much fun to have been there. Let me, let me, uh, your heavenly father is so committed to your victory, but he cannot fight it for you. He's given you everything you need. I listen to me carefully. I've heard people talk about there's a battle between God and the devil. There is no such thing. He is not about to crawl into the presence of the great I am. Like a shriveling, sniveling dog, he wouldn't crawl in his presence. The battle is on the earth. You listen to me. You have a superior God. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We're acting like, I heard Brother Higgins, you know, listen to people talk, the devil's a great big old fella and God's a little tiny fella. My goodness. Demons tremble in the presence of Jesus and his name. Our enemy's going to find out whether we know the truth or not. And we're going to know it. And we're going to live in it. And, and he has given you superior weapons. I'm just going to, I just want to say this as a quit. It's not that hard. But if you don't fight, you get whooped. All right, I'm going to tell my wrestling story and then I'm done. I grew up championship wrestling. My grandma loved championship wrestling. It started in the park center near our house in Charlotte, North Carolina. We, boy, you, grandma pulled her chair right in front of the TV, championship wrestling. Old black and white set had three channels on it rabbit ears but aunt with uh, tinfoil up on the rabbit ears so she'd get good reception and if you if you messed up during wrestling she'd whoop you and grandma would have that chair and she she loved uh she loved uh, johnny weaver and george becker and she'd get the chair would be rocking where grandma would be doing like this watching wrestling and she'd get mad when they'd get on them like that she said they're cheating they're well they all cheat you're having the best time in there and uh we grew up watching that at the park center and the only occasion we'd get to go down there and watch it. And then it expanded into this demonic crap that it is now, you know, the nonsense it is now. It used to just be two old fat guys wallowing in each other in a bathing suit. That's all it was at one time. <laughs> it's gone nutty now. Anyway, we, we were uh, big fans. And always, you always heard people say it's fake. My grandma at 80 years old would knock you out if you said it was fake. I mean, she'd hit you for it. She's a believer. But I always, and I always wondered about that stuff. All right, I'm sitting at the dinner table one time, local restaurant, and I got two of them sitting there with me. I'm not gonna tell you who they are because I think they get fired if they spill the beans. And I'm sitting there with two of them and we're, we're talking about wrestling, having a big time. And I said, if I get killed, I gotta know, is it real or not? And one of them said, yeah, it's real. He said, you, look at this scar right here. It's real. This bad knee, it's real. And his point was, when they throw you on that floor, it hurts. And when they bust your head, that's real blood. We ain't got no ketchup packets from Hardy's down there. <laughs> he said, yeah, it's real. You get hurt. He said, he said, what you really meant to ask was, is it staged? I said, well, say it however you want to. Just tell me the truth. He said, yeah, it's staged. I said, I've lost all faith in TV. I'm done with you. It's over. He said, he said, we know at the start of the season who's going to win every match. He said, it's, he said, it's not Olympic wrestling. It's championship wrestling. The goal is TV ratings. So that's what we do it for. And I said, you've broken my heart forever. It's just, thank God my grandma ain't alive. She'd whoop you and you one of them. <laughs> but the bottom, it was a stage fight. You knew before you got in who was going to win. In other words, it's a fixed fight. 
before you go in there. Do you hear what God said in his word tonight? It's a fixed fight. The only way you lose is not to fight it. It's guaranteed. I mean, Jesus has used this sword right here on him, humiliated him, and then said, here, use my sword. It'll work. And dear ones, I'm telling you, it's a fixed fight. Learn this stuff. Practice this stuff. Let me make an announcement. Get off that squeamish about demons mess. I want you to reach a point where you enjoy this stuff. It is so much fun when you realize, I don't, you're not going to do this to me anymore. What's what I do to you? Uh, my buddy James Robinson did a teaching one time on what demons can do to Christians. And I thought, oh, I don't know if y'all have done that. And he followed up with one, what Christians can do to demons. That's the fun part right there. Do not live under the feet of a defeated enemy in your head. Get this mess straight out and enjoy yourself. <clears throat> y'all be nice to each other. Lord Jesus, I just want to praise you and thank you so much. We live in a land that is spiritual. There's a battle going on. It's, it's a back and forth. We get banged. We get up. We win. I want to pray for everybody in this room that the reality of the spiritual war around them will become real to them. That they'll simply see in God's Word and say, the same Bible that told me that God loved me and died for me on a cross tells me there's an enemy that hates me and is working in my head to ruin my life. Lies. Empty promises. Foolish notions. And I thank you and praise you tonight that you've given us the greatest tool anybody can ever have, which is the Word of God. Lord Jesus, I just want to praise you and thank you. I wish I'd have been sitting in the stands that day when you and him went at it and you humiliated him and you won that game three to nothing and he had to slink off. I praise you and thank you for that day. Dear Jesus, you didn't do it for you. You did, you'd already defeated him in eternity. You did that for us and I give you all the praise and glory. I want to pray for everybody in this room. As your word said, they will gird up the loins of their mind and get their minds right and say nothing's coming in this head apart from the truth of God. And I'm going to live in that truth and love that truth. I trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified forever. And dear Jesus, we want to walk into victory, walk into heaven one day, maybe a little scarred up, maybe a little battered, but singing what a friend we have in Jesus and thinking what a ride, let's do it again. I trust you for that. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.